Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives all around the world through what he's doing right here at Meadowbrook. So if that's you and you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send us an email at godstories at nbcocala.org. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so by giving online. Thanks so much for joining us and prepare your heart to hear from God. So why don't we welcome our online audience, if we could do that. Well, we've been in this series called Believe, and uh, Pastor's been talking about the gospel. And then Pastor Sean last week, how many of you guys were here last week? Did he not do just an incredible job last week? Yes. And uh, he was talking about repentance. And then tonight, it's so cool because we get to honor and the privilege of tonight talking about faith. Faith. And um, what I love about faith is this. It's the central thing to us as believers. And so if we're going to truly walk this thing out, we need to understand a little bit about faith. Look to your neighbor and say, faith. Now look to your other neighbor that you ignored and say, faith. That's good. Well, faith at its core is reliance upon and trust in God. Can Get that, get that in you right now. It's reliance upon and trust in God. And again, it's central to us as believers. Now, we have all kinds of examples of faith, and you live out faith every day. You may not even realize it, but you, you practice faith all the time. How many of you have kids in the room? How many of you know it takes a lot of faith if you got some children or even pets? Does anybody have pets? It even takes faith to have pets, and, and uh, that's just one of the examples. And uh, how many of you guys are married? You have spouses? How many of you know it takes faith? We got to rely upon God. You weren't supposed to say amen that loud. She's nudging you right now. And uh, how many of you have ever been in a relationship, maybe have some friends? Does anybody have friends in here? How many of you know we have to practice faith with our friendships, our relationships that we have? And then Pastor Jordan, who just talked about our finances, we have to practice faith in our finances, right? We have to rely upon and trust that God can do more with the 90% than the 100% that we try to do something with. And then there's all kinds of other things that we try to use, use our gifts, our strengths to do faith. And then sometimes we have to have crazy faith. Now, you might be thinking, what is crazy faith? For me, crazy faith involves me on a boat. (laughs) Now, or you might not even say it's crazy. Sometimes I think it's stupid faith. And uh, if you've ever been on a boat, and I know some of you guys love boats, but I just have never had a good experience on a boat, on a canoe, or a kayak. Like, it just never turns out. And I found out early on when I got invited to go boating and fishing. And does anybody like to fish? Let me see your hands. A lot of you guys like to fish, so you're going to relate to this. Well, when I was in Tampa, I would get invited to go out on the boat, and we'd go out into the bay. Anybody ever fished out in the bay? And uh, there's this thing called the Sunshine Skyway. And uh, apparently there's this huge trench that they dug out. And there's huge ships and ocean liners and stuff that go through there, but it's really deep on both sides. And if you put your boat just in the right position, you can actually catch some pretty awesome fish. 
But I realized early on that every time I got invited out to the boat, it wasn't necessarily to fish. It was for me to be the anchor boy. <laughs> and every boat that I've been on is pretty small. And so I'm a kind of a big guy, as you can notice. And um, tiptoeing around the boat, always trying to pull up this anchor. And oftentimes I have to pull up the anchor like 40 times. Well, there was this one particular time we're right there on the edge. And I see this massive ocean liner coming at us. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. (laughs) And then I start praying just these quiet prayers of faith and asking God and really relying upon him. And I finally said to the guy in the boat, I was like, "Uh, do you think we should move out of the way? And he looked at me and he said, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So go ahead and pull up the anchor. So I pull up the anchor with great effort as fast as I possibly can. We move over about 300 yards. Well, the boat is coming by. Well, it creates so much wake and waves that the boat now is just in upheaval. And so now I'm crying out to God in faith (laughs) and believing that this is the last moment that I'm going to experience in life. And and it's not this, pulling up an anchor. It's not the moment that that I dreamed about. But here I am pulling up the anchor and the boat comes by and our boat's going, I'm puking off the side of the boat now. Sorry. I don't, is that my mic, Mike? I don't know what's going on. It's clicking. So, all right, we'll just go with it. If you hear the click, it's okay. Nothing's broke. All right. Um, and so here, here I am throwing up now. And so the, the boat goes by us and I asked my friend, I said, uh, hey, uh, it's a good thing we moved. He's like, yeah, we probably should have capsized. And I was like, middle note, I don't need faith to be on a boat because that's stupid to be on a boat. Don't do that again. But there's faith all around us and we have to practice faith and exercise faith. And I love the Hebrew terminology for the word faith. It's the word called aman and it's a root word that denotes reliability, stability, and firmness. Reliability, stability, and firmness. And it concretely, meant, it concretely meant to support or to uphold. And the example uh, of the Hebrew word is as if the arms of a parent. If you've ever seen, I was at the mall the other day, and I saw a mom walking with her baby in some kind of contraption that it was like she had them wrapped. And I'm just like, that doesn't even look comfortable. But I know this, no one has a chance of messing with that baby. That mom has her arms, she's got it wrapped, she has it firmly in place. I mean, it is, it's like concrete uh, to her. And it's that same kind of thing. So faith is our reliance, our trust upon God, but it, de- it denotes this, this strength, this firmness, this stability. And so when we talk about faith, we're not talking about faith in this essence of believing in nothing. And some people will believe that, that faith is just wishful thinking. And some people might even refer to faith as blind faith. Have you ever heard that? Someone say blind faith. But blind faith has no place in our life as believers. And here's some some scripture. Uh, I love this. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 1. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But... We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so I love this verse because when you have an eyewitness account of something, that is not the stuff of blind faith. Eyewitness accounts are the real deal. Amen? Amen. 
And so that's what I love about you and me. Each of us have a story. And each of us has a testimony of what God has done, not only in us, but what God's doing through us. And so we don't have to have blind faith. We can depend and rely and trust on God because of our stories. And Pastor Tim was sharing Sunday that our stories oftentimes shape our theology, but they also shape our faith. Somebody say amen. Well, the topic of faith as we dive into this tonight there's three big questions that we have to answer. And the first question is this, what is saving faith? What is saving faith? And Paul addresses this in Ephesians chapter two. This is probably one of my favorite uh, passages. It says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And this is such good news. Did you know that? This is such good news that we've been saved by grace through faith. And so guess what? Because of Christ and what he did, he is righteous. And so when we accept him through faith, when we rely upon and depend upon and trust in him, we don't have to earn it by deeds. You don't have to have it all together. Guess what? You don't have to wear a Christian t-shirt. You don't even have to sit in the front row. You can sit all the way in the back in the corner and fall in love with Jesus. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to come cleaned up. You don't have to go through all the motions and do all the right things. All you have to do is simply receive that gift that we've been given through grace, through our faith. Amen? It's such good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love that verse. And then again in Romans chapter 3. Is that, yeah, Romans chapter 3. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And then verse 23, it says, For all have sinned. Who sinned? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then I love this. It says, And all are justified freely by his grace. Who's justified freely by his grace? All of us. Through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And then we see in Romans chapter 4. It says, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so as we break down this, this, these scriptures and we begin to answer the question, what is saving faith? There's three ingredients that we have to understand and get a hold of tonight to understand what saving faith is. And the first ingredient is the knowledge of the gospel. We have to have a knowledge of the gospel. So saving faith is not faith in nothing. It's always directed, it's always pointed at, it always goes back to the person and the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so everything we read in the New Testament points to Jesus and everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. 
And we have to know the facts and understand the facts. And what are the facts? That Jesus Christ, he came, he died on a cross, he was buried, and then three days later, he rose again. For you and for me. Those are the facts. And so we have to have a knowledge of those. The second ingredient to uh, saving faith is agreement with the facts. Agreement with the facts. How many of you guys know that just because someone knows the information, they don't have to necessarily believe the information. They might even consider it false. And that person obviously doesn't have uh, saving faith. And so we not only have knowledge of the facts, but we have to have an agreement with the facts and believe that the facts are true. And then the third ingredient, and this is the most important one, I believe, but they all work together, is our personal trust in those facts. And so there has to come, there comes a point in time where we decide and we rely upon and depend upon Jesus' death to pay the penalty for our sin. And so as we do that, saving faith is released in our lives. And not only do we have knowledge, not only do we have an agreement, but now we have this personal trust where faith is released in and through us. I never realized this until I had that encounter with Jesus. But for so long, I grew up, I don't know if you guys have heard my story, but I grew up in a non-Christian home. My dad was an alcoholic and I grew up just, and it, was, it was tough. And I grew up often, I spent time in uh, bowling alleys, bars, all that kind of stuff. And um, it wasn't until uh, my grandma would come visit and she was praying and taking us, uh, me and my sister to church. I'm so thankful that I had a praying grandma. Anybody have a praying grandma? Man, aren't you glad for your praying grandma? And uh, my praying grandma, well, she would pray for my dad and she was believing and speaking life over my dad. And my freshman year of high school, my dad got radically saved. And so we went from hanging out at bars, hanging out at bowling alleys. My dad would gamble. He was doing all this crazy stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, as all, he was, all the effort was put on that, now all of his effort was put on Jesus. And you might think, that's awesome. But you know what? It freaked me out. Because now I had to go to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and whatever other night, there was stuff going on. Does anybody re- you remember those days? Yeah. And so I had to go to church, and man, I, I didn't like church. I thought church people were really weird. And, um, and s- some of y'all still are, okay? I'm just, just letting you know. Sometimes we can get a little weird. Don't do that. Um, but I had all throughout that season of high school, I heard all the stories. I knew and had this knowledge that, that Jesus, you know, he came and he died, and I started learning all this stuff. And then I, I even had an agreement with it. I was like, you know what? It's true. It's it's totally true. But it wasn't until April of 1989 when there was a youth revival going on at our church. And this pastor was speaking to me. You guys ever had a pastor speak to you? Well, this pastor was speaking to me. And I'll never forget that night when he gave the altar call. Something launched me out of my seat. I believe it was the Holy Spirit, right? It launched me out of my seat. And I jumped over a pew. We used to have pews in church back then. Do you guys remember those? Those were so cool. Uh, we, would, we, used to, we used to play sanctuary baseball, and uh, we would, someone would pitch it, and we would hit it, and then you had to run over and under the pews. 
it wasn't fun. Uh, we, we was trying to make church fun. But anyways, where, where was I? Oh, I, was, I la- was launched and I ran to the altar and I just remember diving in head first, just with tears running down my face, giving my life to Jesus. And I put that personal trust in him at that moment. And so we really do, to have saving faith, we really do have to move beyond just knowledge and agreement and have a personal trust in Jesus. Everybody say amen. Well, the second big question tonight as we talk about faith is this. What is the a link between faith and reason? What is the link between faith and reason? And as we look at church history, there are three different positions uh, that we see in, at work. And the first one is this, reason precedes faith. And so as we think about uh, reason preceding faith, it was, simply, it was simply this, that in this view, our intellect was all important. And so what we could understand, what we could get our head around, that that, that, was, that was everything. And faith is only a function then of that reason. And I love Billy Graham. He said this when someone was asking him about, I, I just can't believe in God because I can't see him. And he asked the question back. He said, you haven't seen him? I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. But I've never seen the wind. And then he said, there's a mystery to it. And it's so true that oftentimes there is a mystery to it. But could I just say this? I believe we see faith all the time. When I walked into church Sunday morning, I saw little Miss Rhoda. I don't know if she's here tonight. But she had this whole thing set up in the foyer. And they were collecting uh, goods for the troops. I don't believe that you can have saving faith and then do something like that. I mean, God works all around us, doesn't he? We see God moving and doing things all the time. And hopefully even before you leave tonight, hopefully already tonight, you've sensed, you've experienced God in some way. You've heard him whisper. You've heard him say something to you. Maybe even through a high five or someone hugging you, you felt and saw God. And so that first position of reason precedes faith is just one. And the second one is this, faith and reason oppose one another. And this one we probably have a little more practice with and maybe experience with. And this is the kind of faith where faith is ultimate, where all that matters is faith. And then the reason and anything outside of that is the enemy, which faith must destroy. And I never realized this until I had to go through a very difficult time where my dad passed away. And as my dad, it was in 1997, my dad got leukemia. And my dad was like, he was sold out for Jesus. I mean, he loved Jesus. He was going to this uh, Pentecostal church that loved Jesus. And so when he got leukemia, everybody came around and we began to pray for my dad. We began to believe that God was gonna touch my dad and heal my dad. And I'll never forget, the pastor came up to me and said, you just don't have enough faith. There must be some sin in your life. There must be some kind of disconnect that you're not breaking through 
so that your dad could be healed. And you've probably, honestly, some of us have encountered something like that or someone like that where they said that we didn't have enough faith, we didn't believe enough, where there was something wrong with us. And my dad passed away and I was devastated. I was so mad at God. And not only was I mad at God, but I was mad at myself. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought that I didn't have enough faith. I thought it was my fault that my dad died. And it wasn't until later, about three to five months later, I'll never forget a pastor friend came to me and he said, he said, Pastor Tom, have you considered that God did completely heal your dad? And I said, no, I've been looking at it the wrong way. And he said, well, I would pray that you would consider that your faith stood in agreement with your dad for healing. And that as your dad passed from this side to heaven, that he was completely healed. And so we have to be careful, right? We have to be careful. We can't allow faith to be so ultimate that we start seeing the enemy behind every bush and everything. We have to be careful. And that's why there's a third position. And it's this. Faith proceeds and enables reason. And the reason why this one, it works so well is because this is what fits best with God's word. Both faith and reason are necessary and they work together. They're they're interwoven parts of the whole person. And so get this, God created us with rational minds. Some of y'all might be like, are you sure? Your wife's like, are you sure? Yeah, but God created us with rational minds. And so he created us with rational minds, and then he gives us the ability to process information that he reveals to us. And then as a response, our faith then is integrated with that information, which then our mind continues to process. And so that's why it's so important. Listen, If there was anything you get out of tonight, it's so important that we have daily intake and exposure to God's word. Get a Bible, get a journal before you leave tonight. Because it is the way through his written word that God reveals the information that we need to process. And so he'll use his written word all the time to reveal to us. And not only does he use his written word, he also uses his rhema word. Have you guys ever been reading a a scripture and then just something pops out at you? Maybe a word or a phrase or a sentence, but something just comes alive. Have you guys ever had that happen? That's his rhema word. He's revealing something to you. Yesterday I was in Romans 5 and God just reminded me. It was just such this cool moment. I'm sitting there at my, in my breakfast table looking out the window, hoping some birds will come to our bird feeder. I don't know what we're doing wrong, but they don't come. And, um, <laughs> and just praying, God, send the birds. But I was reading Romans 5 and God just said, my love is greater than any failure and any weakness that you have. And I just was like, God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you that your love is greater than anything that I'm going to mess up. Thank you that your love, no matter what I'm going to go through, no matter what weaknesses I have, your love is greater. And so this is so huge 
that we understand that faith proceeds and enables reason. Because here's what happens. When we believe what God says about us, it changes us. We can then get up in the morning, put our, can I put our shoulders back, right? And walk around and say, I am blessed. Woo. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You can begin to walk with that. You can begin to say, I used to have a friend that has said, I am not the head. He said, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath, right? He began to, you should begin to speak that. You can begin to walk around and say, you know what? I am victorious. I am free. I'm coming out on top. If I'm going to be in it, I'm going to win it. Um, there's a little bit of fight in me. It's not over until it's over, right? And so we got this thing in us. And so we're not trying to convince ourselves. We're not trying to convince anyone else. It's just what God says about us. It's in us. And so we're going to believe it and begin to speak that over us. And so it's important that we get in the word because it's the way that he speaks to us and tells us who we are. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. Amen. Amen? The third big question. So we've talked about tonight, uh, what is saving faith and the link between faith and reason? And then the third big question that we have to wrestle with is what is the relationship between faith and works? What is the relationship between faith and works? Because there's some people say that as we're justified by faith, apart from works, that it renders works not important. But the Bible says otherwise. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Can you just look to your neighbor and say, that's right, that's you. Look to somebody behind you. Point to them and say, you are God's handiwork. So good. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. And so... Works is important. Genuine saving faith. Listen, genuine saving faith always produces deeds which show that our, that our claim to what God's doing in and through us is legit. It's real. It's authentic. What God's doing in me is the real deal. I have an eyewitness account. I have seen him. I've seen him come through. I've seen him take me through the storm onto the other side. And so we can stand and say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and move in this and do this and do, and do that because of what God's done in us. And somebody say amen. amen. James chapter 2, I want to just read this over you tonight from 14 through 26. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can follow along. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did 
when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. I love that. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And so we see that works do have their place, but the issue is timing. Works and their power are, they're so much more powerful when they follow rather than precede salvation because they give evidence that our faith is real. And here's the really cool thing. God isn't blind to what we do after we come to him. He doesn't just leave us alone. He doesn't say, oh, you got it, check mark, you're good, right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't leave us alone. I love this, Philippians chapter three. It says this, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived, has anybody arrived? Okay, good. One person in the back. Okay. Uh, at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, nudge your brother or sister. Good, just go ahead and do that. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so this is the tension we live in because we haven't got it all together yet. Did you know that? We haven't arrived. And so we live in this tension that what do I do when I fall? What do I do when I fail? Well, it's, it's easy. God says, I'm going to help you and I'm going to give you some strength to press on, to press in, to keep going, to not to keep continuing to not look back and to forget what's behind and to, str- and, and to strain forward, to, to press forward. And so we need to understand that he's not going to do that. And you know what? I just believe someday when we get to heaven and we get to earn our reward, it's going to be a party, y'all. And I know we have an incredible worship team, don't we? Don't we have an incredible worship team? Come on. And... Uh, but, but I'm a guy, and um, I know there's going to be lots of opportunities in heaven to lift up our hands, right? We're going to lift up our hands. We're going to sing holy, holy, holy. But I just, I don't know if, what's in me, but I just think when we get to heaven, there's going to be some chest bumping going on. There's going to be some fist bumping. There's going to be some knocking people over. There's just, we're going to have fun with it. I don't know if that's just the, the football player in me, and I want to hit something or knock over somebody, so... If I do that, you, you'll just know that that's going to be in heaven too, okay? And then 2 Timothy chapter 4, I love this verse too. It says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the what? The faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I love that. 
So Christ sees what we do after salvation and after we've experienced that saving faith. He is not blind to it. He actually loves us to demonstrate our faith by our deeds. And can I just say, we need to get busy, y'all. There are thousands of people that are going to hell right here in Marion County. Why don't we just go ahead and make it hard for them to go to hell? And make it easy for them to go to heaven. And so, man, I just want to encourage you. Pastor Jordan shared those invest and invites. We have an opportunity. We had 10 days to invite everybody in this city to come and see about this great risen Savior that we worship. Amen? And so we've been, I don't know if you know this, but we've been, uh, we put commercials on all the secular radio stations. Because we're going after the people that don't know Jesus. And so I just, come on, we can give God some praise for that. Well, as we close tonight, uh, faith, it's reliance and trust in God. But I felt so impressed as I was preparing for tonight that there were going to be people in this room who are going through a difficult time. Where your faith is being tested. And your belief is being tested. And we know this, that the enemy would love nothing more than to isolate us and get us to believe that we're without help. And in this place that we find ourselves sometimes where we are doubting and our faith is being just rocked, sometimes we find ourselves in this place and it's so hard to move forward. And we know this by scripture that God allows our faith to be tested. Did you know that when our faith is tested, it proves the genuineness of our faith. It also develops character in us. And oftentimes it works in a purifying way. And we know that Satan loves to test our faith. And we know that difficult circumstances like many of us are going through right now, test our faith. And we know that even discouraging people can test our faith. But God promises help during these times of testing. So if I could just encourage those of you tonight that are in the meantime, you're in that time between what God has done and what he's going to do. You're in the meantime. And God is, God is allowing this testing to happen. And he's stirring some things in you. He's developing some things in you. And tonight he promises help to you. I love Isaiah 43 too. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Luke 22, he said, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith, that reliance and trust in God may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is what? 
He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, listen, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And then I love 1 Peter chapter 5. And it says, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Listen, after you have suffered a little while, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God offers help to us, amen. As we get ready to pray tonight, God uses you as well to strengthen others. I love 1 Thessalonians. It's all right, we read a lot of scripture tonight. Does anybody love God's word? Come on. It says, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to do what? Strengthen and encourage you in what? In your faith. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. And then last, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, for when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. But we were harassed. Anybody ever been harassed? At every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears within. But God, come on, somebody say, but God, who comforts the downcast. He comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. And so God wants to release a greater faith in us so that we can have a greater joy. Because his desire for us, remember, is to be happy, fruitful, stable, and blessed.